We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, guys? Welcome into another edition of Bogey Free. I'm your host, Matt Jones. And I'm flying solo tonight, uh, waiting on this 12-man snake to fill up. Uh, we're at 7 out of 12, so and I just tweeted it out, so we should should be good to go um, here shortly, hopefully. <laughs> um, if not, I'll just be I'll just be rambling for a little bit. Um, so I, uh, if you haven't been following along, uh, I just released a series over at Rotoviz um, about volatility in PGA DFS, and I figure this would be as good a time as any to uh, to chat about it. So, um, just general general trends. I don't think uh, that a lot of people have looked at. Uh, range of outcomes in in the way uh, and I think that there were uh, a couple of things that are pretty obvious and then a few things um, that maybe weren't so obvious so uh, hopefully you've you've read it if not if you're listening to this and you want to go over to Rotoviz and uh, you know pause it and and read through before I before I talk about it that's that's uh, that's wonderful if not, um, I can I can give you sort of the rundown here. So basically, I broke out um, I broke out volatility across two different time frames. The first time frame is uh, recent, the last twenty four rounds, and the second time frame is long term, which is the last hundred fifty rounds. Now, typically, uh, last twenty four rounds will for most golfers at most points in the year be about the last two months, give or take. Uh, and last 150 rounds will typically, depending on who it is, um, will typically cover a full year um, and potentially, uh, you know, up some of the, the top tier elite guys will make, say, 20, 21 starts um, in a given season. So obviously, if they were to make all those all the cuts, you could you could do that math there. <laughs> um, and so, you you know, you're looking at like a year and a half, give or take. For uh, the the lower tier guys, they're typically making more starts and playing more often. So they you know, that might be that might be a year for them for for Sungjae. He plays about 150 rounds. 
you know, every month and a half. So it's it varies depending on where guys are in their careers. You know, the, the Dustin Johnsons and Justin Thomases of the world can pick their schedule and they can get in uh, any field, any tournament around the world that they want. Uh, whereas, you know, some of these some of these lower tier guys um, don't necessarily have don't necessarily have that option. Um, going. I'm just trying to think of a couple other examples, uh, like a Ches Reeve, Will Gordon. Like I'm just scrolling through the ADP right now uh, for this draft. All those types of guys just kind of have to take uh, take what's given to them as far as when they're eligible to be in a field. So, um, yeah, it just it just really depends on who the guy is. But for the most part, we're talking about. Uh, those time frames, give or take. Now, um, I I started off in part one just looking through just sort of a macro perspective across the entire population of golfers. How how does it break down with the the super volatile guys um, more recently, and then um, you know more volatile than than average, then less volatile than average, and then the least volatile and. I think I think the, the guys who are the most volatile, especially recently, are going to be the ones who um, miss cuts at a at a higher rate, but also finish uh, finish higher at a higher rate. Um, they have better top ten rates, top five rates, win rates than their you know quote unquote less volatile peers. Um, what I did after that was I broke down into uh, the power ranking score that I give everybody throughout uh, throughout the field each week. That um, and so part two of that series was looking at golfers that were uh, at seventy in the power ranking score and below. And basically, what you're what you're looking at there is um, not a huge difference necessarily between uh you know guys guys who are making a cut like you're you're not between zero and 50 but once you get over that um you're not looking at gigantic edges as far as um let's say top 20 rate top 20 rates are basically the same um but for golfers between 50 and 60 in power ranking score a made cut uh, the made cut rate for the less volatile guys is slightly above 50%. And for the more volatile guys, it's only 44%. But the flip to that is that these more volatile golfers are typically finding their way into the top 10 more often. So you have obviously depending on format, depending on how, um, I guess how, uh, how many people are in the field um, and and things like that. So it really depends on contest selection. It, for most people, in my opinion, I think you are think off, um, more often just targeting the volatile guys. I think that there's uh, there's this belief among anybody who plays PJ DFS that they have like this 
innate ability to find like the cut makers. And like, we just don't, we just don't see that. Right. Like, like six of six lineups sometimes are in like most of the time are in the single digits, it seems lately. And, um, you know, some, in some contests it could get down to like five, six percent of lineups. If five or 6% of the lineups are going to be six of six, um, you're going to want, you're going to want upside. If you happen to have one of those, those six of sixes, I don't believe that I am. Um, I don't believe that I'm in tune enough to say for certain that in these, like with these cheaper golfers that, um, able to buy that, you know, the X guy or Y guy is going to be more likely to, uh, to make the cut than another. So, um, all of this also has to, uh, get put together with the game theory series that I did, which we're targeting golfers that are typically going to be more, um, you know, have a higher power ranking score than this. So if we jump up to the next level at 60, uh, 60 to 70, we see a similar thing and there's not a huge jump in um, the less volatile made cut rate, but there is a big jump in the more volatile made cut rate, which makes sense because these golfers you're going from just barely average in the field to, um, you know, like top, uh, you know, a top 30 percentile golfer in the field is going to be more likely than not to make the cut. Um, and when we, when we expand, the top 20 rates are higher with the more volatile guys uh, long-term and the top five rates are more, are higher with the more volatile guys in, over the last 24 rounds. So those types of things are going to give your lineups upside. Um, that you might not necessarily you might not necessarily have um if you're just you know going for the the quote unquote uh cut makers i don't believe that i mean i guess that this is this is probably a conversation for another day but i don't believe that there's truly um a a good way to build a cash specific lineup in 99% of um 99% of situations. I just I don't believe it. I think that you should be I think people are giving up a lot of a lot of upside, a lot of win equity, a lot of top 5 equity. What there is, you know, quote unquote safe decisions. Um so yeah, that's that's just sort of my um my mini rant there. Uh, as far as once you get above 70, between 70 and 90, basically everything that I just said still holds true. Um, once you get above 90, there's essentially no, there's no major, there are no major differences. I think the one thing that you should really focus on if you're talking about a golfer that's in the 90 and up range um, you should really just be focusing on uh, on the ownership game. Uh, I, I think I think that there's there, I've done enough work and people other people have done enough work that um, you really shouldn't be rostering the expensive chalk as often as people do. Um, I think that 
emergent market, the, the ownership at the very top would actually be a lot flatter than it is. Most weeks, it's reasonably flat. But when when we look back, um, there's usually one or two guys who soak up a majority of the ownership in, in the, say, 10K and up range. Um, and I think that that's, I think that's a mistake. I think that unless there's some extenuating circumstance, you should always, you should always be rostering the lower owned, really good golfers. Um, because their, their range of outcomes just isn't that dissimilar, um, to justify not taking the leverage and going after, um, you know, eating the chalk and people have been joking, right? Like last week it was Kyle Stanley. The week before it was, it was Vincent Whaley. People are are like tilting off the face of the universe because like, I don't know. I don't know if like how long people have been playing, but like the cheap chalk hits a lot. And, and that's kind of like, we're pretty good as a community at identifying this guy is underpriced. He shouldn't be where he is based on his recent form. And the price just hasn't adjusted up enough. Um, we're really, we're really pretty good at, at identifying those opportunities. Um, so it shouldn't really come as too much of a shock. I wouldn't think it shouldn't come as too much of a shock that a lot of these guys end up hitting. Um, like, if if a guy that's below 7500 is projected for over 10% ownership like you you take that and you eat that chalk and you differentiate at the top where now you're having the advantage of I can beat by the cheap chalk because the guys who are rostering that cheap chalk are also going to be able to access the stud range and you're getting leverage in the stud range because you're going with the lower lower owned options. It just makes sense. Like there's there, there's just not there's not a good reason to do the opposite. Like why do you believe that you you're the one that can figure out the sixty four hundred dollar golfer or the sixty nine hundred dollar golfer that is more likely to make the cut than the guy who everybody thinks is going to make the cut and is underpriced. I don't, I don't know why, like I'm much more confident that I will play Rory McIlroy at single digit ownership. When Dustin Johnson is 22% owned, I'm much more confident that I have a better chance at Rory doing well, or, you know, insert whoever here, like Justin Tom, at some point he's going to start being lower owned um so like i i just i don't know why people believe that they can magically figure out these golfers that are all over the place every week um they can nail that down but they then they eat the chalk at the top like it's just it's totally backwards to me um so if it if it continues, then it's just it's just an edge. It's just an edge that we have. If it doesn't continue and ownership flattens out at the top, then you probably do have to take some more chances down at the bottom. But f- for the most part, 
you're going to put yourself in a situation where you have a lot less outs with a guy that's 6,800 than you would with a guy who is, you know, 10,400 or whatever. All right. So that was my, that was my 15th on volatility. Um, hopefully, hopefully you got something out of it. Uh, I am this draft finally filled, so we should be, should be good to go here. Although this is like super glitchy for some reason. I don't know why it looks like that. Hmm. All right. Well, that's gonna, that's gonna bug the shit out of me this whole time, but that's fine. Um, yeah, so let's, uh, let's get this rolling here. I pulled pick 12, of course. Um, so we got a little, we got a little bit here and, um, you know, this week, I think that that's actually a pretty significant disadvantage. Most weeks I really don't, um, but. The 12th pick in a draft like this is, uh, or in a field like this, rather, is not not ideal. All right, so let's see what happens here. We see Brooks come off the board first. Not terribly surprising. Um, yeah, and obviously this is a course this week, as Dustin Johnson goes, this is a course this week that we haven't seen before. And again, everybody, um, everybody's, got their inspector gadget hats on trying to investigate and figure out how the courses play. Uh, typically, typically in a week like this, I am more likely to just really rely on my, um, on my rankings and not really worry too, too much about course fit. Um, and usually that that's, that holds pretty well. A lot of the time, people fall in love with a up and when all is said and done, it doesn't play that way, or it doesn't play strictly enough um, in a in a certain style that it ends up being um, that it ends up mattering. That you really after the bombers, you really went after the accurate guys off the tee or whatever it is. So. Um, yeah, let's see. All right. So Brooks, DJ Fleetwood, Hatton, English, Fitzpatrick have all gone. Um, let's see who is even available. Uh, Sung J went. This might be a, uh, might be a, a Varner Snedeker turn or something here. It's pretty disgusting. Um, because Iyer goes <clears throat> Yeah, I'm just I'm I'm not in love with this week in general. I think that there's going to be um There's going to be a lot of uncertainty and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll play probably like 30 or 40% of the, 
of my usual volume just because <clears throat> I just don't I don't feel confident in um in anything really this week. All right, Poulter went. Glover went. You know it's a good week when Glover goes eleventh. Um all right, we could we could we could roll with some Higo there. Um and then some HV three. Uh for for those um typically sort of just stick along with the uh, the PGA and don't dabble too much into Euro. Um, we saw we saw Higo. You can look at his game log here. Um, not play particularly well at the PGA Championship, but he came in with really good form. Um, four top tens in a row with with two uh, two victories there. So um, definitely definitely a guy to look out for. I think that he'll be over here. Um, a little bit more now that he has some status and uh, it'll be interesting to see what ends up happening <clears throat> with all of these guys that come over. Um, I think there's, you know, Higo's not really a, a secret, but there's usually some, uh, some opportunities to really uh, take advantage of some lower owned Euro guys. Um, that the general PGA DFS community doesn't really uh, doesn't really pay too much attention to. So after after my picks, Kisner, Snedeker, RCB, and Doc Redman have gone. Um, yeah, I mean by by the end of this, it's just going to be just truly. Truly disgusting. Um, there's some interesting names in this field this week for sure. Let's see. Oh, Beer Garden has an appearance there as well. That's nice. Um, all right. So Whaley just went. Stallings went. Um, Keith Mitchell went before that. Still got. Still got a little bit until. Jagus goes. Brian Gay. You know it's a good week when Brian Gay goes in the second round. Russell Knox and Bo. Uh, what? It's fine. My wife and my daughter just made a made a brief appearance. It's fine. <laughs> um. All right. Let's see what else we got here. Nee Smith goes. These weights in between are just awful. Um. There's just going to be nobody left by the time by the time I pick, maybe Poston, John. Interesting. 
Yeah, this field is awful. Um, I don't mean to keep don't mean to keep harping on it, but it's it's pretty. Rough. Pat Perez goes right after. Let's see. <clears throat> Seamus Power, Party Marty. All right, we're cooking now. Let's see. Um, I'm about five picks away. At the top here, we have CT Pan. We have Ben Martin, EBR, Poston, Morensky. Ben Martin goes. Yeah, I mean, I think... I think ideally it would be Wierenski and, and, and Poston here, but we will, we will see. You never know. Yeah. CT pan goes, you never know who's going to, uh, who's in here because I tweeted it out and gonna, gonna snipe me here. But, um, let's see. Yeah, Wierenski goes, so there goes that idea. Um, and JT goes, cool, cool, cool. All right. Um, probably go Vaughn Taylor here. Um, no matter what, I feel like Vaughn Taylor always shows up somewhere in my model. This week he has a score of 70. Um, a power ranking score of 73, that is. So I'm okay with, uh, I'm okay with that. And I'm actually going to go with Burgoon here as well. Um, he has a 76 in the power ranking score. So all things considered, even though that was, you know, pick whatever it was, 36 and 37. Um, I think, I think I got some, some decent value there. So we'll see. Sabatini goes. EVR went right before that. Kadira. Oh. Somebody just auto-picked Danny Willett, who withdrew. That's we we talked about this a few weeks ago when we were doing the the snake draft and I think that uh, just just getting volume in these because that kind of stuff does happen. Bow is automatically um, one one team that cannot possibly have cannot possibly have a six of six. So um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that it's that it's a huge. Uh, huge edge or anything, but I do think that it's there's something there, right? And and Lashley's up here in the field, and he's uh, he's withdrawn as well. Um, so there's a chance that the guy that's auto picking will uh, go through and take him by accident as well. Um, scrolling down through a little bit, we'll probably get to Sun Kang, who also withdrew. Um, so there's a chance here that, you know, there's, there's three guys drafted out of the, um, what is this? 12, 
you know, out of the out of the seventy two golfers that are chosen, really aren't to uh, aren't going to tee it up. So that would be that would be kind of nice um, in general. Vegas goes. <clears throat> this is also where the the draft kind of gets interesting. They have these like arbitrary rankings, um, but they also go by ADP. So because there's not really a ton of drafts even filling at this point, um, the the ADP is all screwy and it just defaults to the the rankings. So the uh, there are some guys that are like just clearly, just clearly out of order. Um, Hubbard goes. Ah, uh, the auto draft guy came back. Oh well, we tried. Lipsky goes. Rogers goes. I actually have Shank. Piercy goes. I actually have Shank uh, pretty, pretty high this week in the power ranking score. So I wouldn't really mind if he somehow made it back to me. Um, but I'm not, not particularly optimistic about this. Stewart goes. Benny on goes. Oh, Hatch must be in this. Uh, Lebiota goes. All right, so we can get. We can get our boy Shank there. Um, and then I'm going to let the clock run down a little bit. Pull a, pull a Reeves here. Let it go for a sec. Uh, all right. So Shank is the pick there in the fifth round. And then we will round it out. Um, with good old Tom Lewis. All right, so the final team there is oh my god, this is this is brutal. This is like super glitchy for some reason. Um, here, I'll pull that off and I'll reload it and see what happens. But yeah, so <clears throat> I'm reasonably I'm reasonably happy with uh, with the team that we just put together here. It would be even cooler if I could actually read it back. But that DraftKings is not to allow that to sell up in my app real quick. Um, bear with me one moment, please. So I ended up Higo, Varner, Von Taylor, Burgoon, Shank, and Lewis. Um, if If that's not... Uh, a microcosm of what this week is. I don't know. I don't know what is. So um, on that note, I am going to leave you guys here. Have a uh, good week. Make sure you're following along with everything uh, on Twitter at Matt Jones TFR and make sure that you are uh, set up over at FTN for 
my showdown content and more to come over there. So uh, good luck this week and we'll talk soon. That's it. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.